It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org slash app. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I feel like that I've let an awful lot of people down, the players, the fans, the coaches. There's a lot of people counting on me, so um, that makes it it a little bit more difficult, but um, I have to try to manipulate things to do best that I can for everyone involved. A warm Wednesday welcome to you on Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ekstrom, joined by Sage Rosenfels. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Audio Boom. Follow us on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, at Sage Rosenfels 18. The Vikings began preparations yesterday for their game against Jacksonville on Sunday. And Mike Zimmer was out there looking somewhat pirate-like with an eye patch over his right eye. Comical at the same time as it is sad to, to see what has happened after that surgery. But all reports are good, he told the radio yesterday. So hopefully that retina stays attached and he's all squared away. I imagine that he has to try to stay calm this week, Sage. He can't get too worked up at these guys. Yeah, I would think so. I, I would think not having a lot of pressure on that eye uh, can't be a good thing. It is amazing. Not very often do coaches go on the injury list, but the Vikings have had such terrible injury woes this year. Looks like the coaching staff uh, couldn't miss that as well. So uh, hopefully Zimmer's uh, eye injury recovers quickly and uh, he can get back to his regular screaming schedule. (laughs) Zimmer is one of two major injuries on the squad right now. Harrison Smith has been reported to have a grade three ankle sprain, according to a report from the Pioneer Press, that is the most serious kind of ankle sprain that involves the ligament. And I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall from this. It was three weeks ago, Harrison Smith hurt his ankle in the Arizona game, and he'd been on the injury report every single week with an ankle. So I got to think that plaguing on that ankle injury may have exacerbated the problem or left the ankle susceptible to further injury. You could see this coming when you saw Harrison Smith in the locker room tunnel after the Dallas game on crutches in a boot. Grade three ankle sprain, that's serious stuff. It is, and I always sort of chuckle at uh, the way the terms that the NFL uses and a lot of sports use as far as things like sprains. I mean, a sprain is a tear. You know, a pulled hamstring is a tear. Uh, these are these are you know torn ligaments, tendons, muscles. Obviously, he has uh, probably a, a multitude of torn things. Usually, if you tear ligaments, you're also tearing muscles, and so he has tears in his ankle that are bad, uh, that aren't uh, going to get better anytime soon. Um, my guess is he'll be out probably for the rest of the season. Maybe he could play in the last game if, say, the Vikings win their next three, and they still have a chance to make the playoffs, but. 
not a good sign for Harrison Smith, who probably has been one of the most consistent and best defenders for the Vikings over the course of the last four or five years. We've watched Anthony Harris and J. Ron Curse attempt to replace Andrew Sandejo earlier in the season, and they didn't have great results. It's a time like this when Michael Griffin, the veteran they cut in the preseason, might almost be a good option, and not because he was so spectacular. I thought that uh, he, he showed his age in the few months that he was with the Minnesota Vikings, but at least you have a guy who's likely going to be in the right spot, you know, has been there before and obviously uh, can probably come in and play in a pinch. And it's not as if J. Ron Curse and Anthony Harris have really done that well. So if you're going to have someone taking bad angles, at least have someone who really, you know, knows the game pretty well. Well, that's why teams generally sign a lot of veterans at the end of the season for situations just like this. Sometimes you want to sign a young guy just because you want to see what, the young guy can do or you bring somebody up from a practice squad or or even sign somebody else from somebody else's practice squad so you have them then you know at the end of the season but then going into the off season sort of get a free look at, at another player but uh, the ability to sign a veteran who has been in the system who understands what Zimmer wants defensively um, they've seen everything and they may may they may make mistakes because of their physical limitations but mentally usually on point and so I, I think that'll probably wait uh, until they decide to, what's going to happen with Harrison Smith are they going to put him on IR or they're going to see how this thing plays out the rest of the injury report it's not too long Edmund Robinson the special teamer he was on the sideline yesterday and Sharif Floyd still is sidelined that's really becoming a, a disappointing saga with Sharif Floyd. I mean, I know that Shamar Stefan has filled in well, and the defensive line has not really been too much of a weakness for the Vikings. But if you have a healthy Floyd, you've got a really good pass rushing defensive tackle. And without Floyd healthy, I think the Vikings have maybe missed a little bit of that push up front. Well, yeah, the, the, the only weakness that the Vikings defense has, I think they're one of the better ones against the pass in the league, uh, but they do struggle sometimes against the run. And it's not like they get embarrassed uh but usually when you struggle against the run it's not the defensive ends it's the guys on the inside so even though floyd's better pass rusher than one run stopper it's nice to have another massive body in there uh to get uh, you know 30 or or 40 reps a game and his uh his being out uh, has hurt this vikings defense because the only time that they struggle is a little bit against stopping the run and teams get fives and sixes uh in seven sometimes uh, but it seemed like in the past they were more like twos and threes. Joe Berger was back at practice. He appears to be healthy, as is Marcus Sherrills. So the Vikings should appreciate having their punt returner back in the mix, see if he can stay healthy for the rest of the season. It's been kind of a tough year for him. A word from one of our fine sponsors. Time is running out to get into the football action at BetDSI.com. BetDSI.com, over 20 years in business, top rated, very safe to play. Great football special on right now. Sign up today. Get $10 free to try their service. BetDSI is also offering a 100% bonus on your first deposit. Put 100 in, get 100 free. Great customer service there. Fast and easy payments. Hundreds of football, basketball, baseball, hockey, UFC wagers. The whole shebang. BetDSI even has live in-game wagering on all of those sports I mentioned. You can play virtually anything, anywhere at BetDSI.com. BetDSI.com. Go there now and use promo code VIKINGS10 to get your free wager and start winning.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash Now, Sage, I don't know about Omaha, but it's getting extremely cold outside here in the Twin Cities. We have wind chills in the single digits. Um, And I I, I walk to Winter Park and I walk across the practice field. And I know this week they're not practicing outside, but I imagine when they go to Green Bay in a couple weeks, they probably will be. How terrible must that be? I mean, I'm, I'm bundled up. I'm wearing coats and hats and gloves. And it's pretty miserable for me to walk across that parking lot. Those outdoor practices must just be brutal. Well, I'll give you a couple of things here. One, uh, in games, cold games, like say in Green Bay or sometimes in Chicago or other places, the the best place to be, the warmest place, the entire stadium, was my old position on the sidelines. (laughs) I mean, you have the space heaters there. You've got uh, things for your feet. Obviously, the big coats. Uh, You can stay warm on the sidelines of games. But in practice... That stuff ain't out there, and uh, practices are miserable. And a lot of times, guys are wearing sweatpants below their practice pants, or you know, a full sweat, hooded sweatshirt below their pads. Uh, it's it's not it's pretty easy to get uh, to get excited for a game and and deal with the cold and go out with no sleeves. But uh, practices practices at the end of the year outside are miserable. Yeah, the Vikings really dodged a bullet because this year they only have one outdoor cold game in the month of December. They've got, they had the indoor game against Dallas. They've got a Jacksonville trip coming up, then back home against Indianapolis to Green Bay and home against Chicago. So the Vikings should only have one terrible week as they get ready for that Christmas Eve game. They get to, to travel to very balmy Jacksonville to play a 2-10 and Jaguars squad on Sunday. So Jacksonville's probably in that stage of the season where it's clearly over for them. They're in a position to get a top five draft pick. And I mean, things have just gone totally pear shaped for the Jaguars after people had incredibly high expectations for them. I mean, they've had a healthy quarterback all year, but Blake Bortles has not met expectations. He's probably digressed, in fact. Yeah. Jacksonville's one of those teams that I, I believe, uh, you know, on other radio shows or whatever, that I would say, well, that's a team you have to look out for. You know, Bortles put up some great stats last year, but I did not watch, you know, almost any Jacksonville games. I was just going off of stats I saw, and I like their head coach, Gus Bradley. But what I didn't realize, a lot of times those good stats were based on the fact that they were losing by 14 or 17 points in the fourth quarter. He'd go out and throw two touchdowns, and they'd get close, but they'd still lose. And so he ended up with pretty good stats last year. But this year, everything has sort of completely fallen apart for that football team. And I'm not sure if Gus Bradley's job is safe or not. I haven't followed that situation that closely. But this is one of those situations where people – on the team, there's a lot of whispers going around probably for the last month, you know, since they've had, you know, six or seven losses and things aren't going well. A lot of whispers of, you know, who's going to keep their job, uh, what's going to happen to the coaches, what's going to happen to the players. It's a, Sometimes that can become a very toxic environment. And, you know, other times when, when players really like the head coach, it can be – it's a, the environment is fine. Everyone's fighting for their head coach, fighting for their job, and, and can be a tough team to beat. So you don't think there's really tanking in the NFL, do you, at least from a player's standpoint? I've always been under the impression that 
if you're going to tank, it comes from management. It comes from decisions with personnel, choosing not to pursue big free agents, resting guys maybe who could play or are on the borderline. But the players in the field are for sure giving 100%, right? If you're not trying, you're probably going to get hurt in the NFL. Well, players could care less about draft picks. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, they're not concerned about next year at all uh, for another you know, position. Players are worried about themselves in a lot of ways. And a lot of times you play one year for the next year, whether you have a big contract and you're really playing so next year the team doesn't cut you because you, you don't want to be overpaid, or you're a young guy and you're playing to, to make the team next year, or you might be a free agent coming up. Guys play hard in the NFL no matter what. Um, and sometimes they, it looks like they've given up, but I really believe you know your resume is what you put on the field, and guys will go out there and give full effort every single time. It, it might be sloppy, and it might be ugly, and there might be some miscues uh, uh, over the course of a game because of all the frustration that's been built up, but I promise you guys always play hard for all 16 games. Sage, did you know that you had your highest completion percentage in a game at Jacksonville that was played on October 14th, 2007? It was actually not a great game for Houston. Schaub started, and then you came in and went 11 of 12 at the end, 92%. I do remember that. Uh, I was trying to think. Uh, I, I played a couple times in Jacksonville with Houston. Schaub got hurt a lot. When I was in Houston, which I ended up playing so much, and you know the Vikings ended up liking me, and obviously that whole trade happened. But uh, this was a game, yeah. Schaub didn't play well, and we were getting beat pretty bad in the fourth quarter, and they stuck me in there, and we sort of marched our way down the field, and and I, th- I believe ended up scoring a touchdown at the end of that football game. I feel like a, a fullback in the flat to Benny Sapp was a possibility. I'm not, I'm not 100% positive there, but uh, it's a, it's a. I've always liked playing there. The stadium's not super big. It's only about Oh, 65,000, I believe, and they, they even cover up some of the seats up top. So there'll probably only be 30 or 40,000 people at this football game. So noise uh, should not be a factor for the Vikings offense. Yeah, by all reports, there were about 65% Denver fans in the crowd last week when Jacksonville lost to the Broncos. I mean, you, you played in Jacksonville twice. It doesn't seem like the best football city, and that's probably because – uh, just the way that franchise has gone, you know, in their existence in Jacksonville, there are better things to do than watch an inferior product. That's right. Well, all those Florida teams, whether it's Miami, Jacksonville, or Tampa, uh, I don't want to call them fair weather fans, but there are other things to do when the teams aren't good. Uh, when the teams are good, they're great. I mean, Florida people love football. Uh, Jacksonville in particular is almost it's right in the middle of SEC country, so they absolutely love their football. But if the team isn't producing, it's not good. Uh, there are plenty of other things to do, hundreds of golf courses, beaches, uh, all types of stuff. So uh, my guess is this, the stadium will not be nearly full. Uh, there will probably be some Vikings fans down there who you know, decided to make a, some sort of you know, winter trip. Uh, I think a lot of times the fans will you know, look at that schedule when it comes out in April or May and say, you know, are there any warm weather games uh, at the end of the year so we can get out of the you know, Minnesota cold or Chicago cold or wherever it may be, and my guess is there'll be a few Vikings fans down there in Jacksonville taking a little early Christmas vacation. It's Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes, leave a five-star review. That would be great. Find me on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, Sage, at Sage Rosenfels 18. For the Vikings, there is really no tomorrow with this Jacksonville game. If they lose, 
it, for all intents and purposes, is over for them as far as the playoffs are concerned. So do the coaches go into this with a different mindset? Do they go to the back of the playbook and pull out their their offensive plays that they're reserving for critical situations, maybe a couple trick plays? Do they dial up more aggressive defensive calls? Do you think the mindset changes from a coaching standpoint? No, not at all. I think people, you know, coaches use all the plays they have, whether it's week one or, or week, you know, 15. I think a lot of people talk about, you know, coaches holding back plays uh, early in the year because they don't want to show everything. I think that's nonsense. Coaches are trying to win football games, and, and you know, there's, there's a million plays out there, and they're going to throw out every single one they have to be successful to move the football and score points. And so, yeah, there's not some trick plays that they've been holding on to all year that they just can't wait to to actually call. I mean, if they've got the good plays, they've, they've called them already. So, um, I mean, my guess is they'll have a good game plan just like any other week. This is a must-win situation for the Vikings. If I think if they lose, they're probably out of the playoffs, maybe not statistically, but I just don't see them getting in with their with their record in the NFC so far. So 9-7 and is not going to get it done. they got to win out. Uh, and I, I do think they're going to get a win this week. I think they're going to win by probably a couple touchdowns. Ooh, an early prediction from Sage Rosenfels. We'll have to get the the score from you on Friday. Yeah, I did a deep dive on the playoff scenarios yesterday in my own personal time, and I wrote about it, coldomaha.com. And basically, it's possible that a team could get in at 9-7, and seven, but it probably wouldn't be the Vikings just because the Vikings don't have many tiebreaker advantages, whether it's head-to-head or divisional record or conference record. The Vikings are lagging behind in all of those categories. So they'll probably have to win out, and that starts against Jacksonville. Last question, Sage, of the day. Have you gained any more clarity in the past several weeks on which quarterback you might want to go forward with next season. That's that's already becoming the big talker as the record kind of deteriorates. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. People are missing Teddy. They want his mobility back, and they miss his smile and all of that. Have you gained any further clarification on how you feel on that issue? Well, I think if Teddy's healthy, he's a starting quarterback, and, and Bradford has done a lot of good things this year. And, again, statistically, you look at his stats, and they're usually pretty good. He throws for high percentage. He's a he's a very good completion you know type guy, but he's not a guy that has made enough plays. I think uh, in in the passing game um, to to really warrant being the starter for next year. I think Teddy does a better job with that. And with the fact that the Vikings O line is the weakness of that football team, you really have to have a mobile a mobile quarterback, somebody who can make plays, get out of the pocket, and scramble a lot. And I think. That's really one thing this offense has really missed is Teddy's ability to get out of trouble and uh, and, and get away from sacks and, and those types of things. And there's several other factors, too. You know, Teddy's 24, Sam is 29. So Teddy's best years are still ahead of him. Teddy has that mobility you mentioned. Teddy is the Vikings guy. They drafted him, first-round pick. They want to see him succeed. Teddy's cheaper. Teddy's a little more marketable. There's just a lot of factors there that I think lend to Teddy having a slight advantage, again, if healthy. That's a big question. He was in the locker room yesterday. He had a large sleeve on his left leg. He looked to be walking okay, but obviously walking is quite different than uh, putting pads on and running away from defenses. So uh, I'm sure we'll get updates on him in the months to come. Some sort of decision they're going to have to make then, you know, if they go with Teddy next year, you know, being that let's just say he is healthy, 
what are they going to do with Sam Bradford? I mean, he's going to be scheduled to make about $19 million next year. And, you know, I don't think you want to pay that much for a backup. Of course, they gave up the first-round pick for him, uh, which really stinks. But that's sort of what they had to do. That's water under the bridge at this point. And the question is, is Sam Bradford on the team next year if Teddy Bridgewater is back and healthy? And we may not know that answer until August. It's a super intriguing talker, and the Vikings obviously are cap-strapped right now. They need money from somewhere. You know, will it come from getting rid of Bradford? Will it come from axing Peterson? That Khalil money could be coming off the books. We're not sure where the money's going to come from, but the Vikings definitely have to free up some space. That's our show for the day. He's Sage Rosenfels at Sage Rosenfels 18. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. We'll talk more Jaguars tomorrow, and Sage will be back with us on Friday on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.